0: A reading from the letter of Paul to the Ephesians. So the, excuse me. So then remember at one time you Gentiles by birth called the uncircumcision by those who are called the circumcision, a physical circumcision made in the flesh by human hands. Remember that you were at that time without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace. In his flesh, he has made both groups into one and has broken down the dividing wall, that is, the hostility between us. He has abolished the law with its commandments and ordinances, that he might create in himself one new humanity in place of the two, thus making peace and might reconcile both groups to God in one body through the cross, thus putting to death that hostility through it. So he came and proclaimed peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him, both of us have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are citizens with the saints and also members of the household of God built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him the whole structure is joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are built together spiritually into a dwelling place for God. The word of the Lord.
1: May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. So there's this documentary about two brothers. Tom is a failed horror movie director who has moved back in with his parents. And his brother, Matt, is the lead singer of one of the most internationally acclaimed indie bands of the 21st century, The National. And the documentary tries to capture this sibling relationship and the disparity between them that is at once very familiar, if you have siblings, and yet also so outsized as one brother literally is living in the shadow of a rock star. And at one point in the the film, Tom says to Matt, you know, I feel like I'm only on this tour because I'm your brother, and Matt says, you are on this tour only because you're my brother. There's no other reason that you're here. And so Tom feels like he's never really in. And the title of the documentary I just, I I absolutely love. It's called Mistaken for Strangers. Because they're so different. And he feels so estranged even in the presence of his brother, even though his brother's not really that mean to him, you know, maybe a little bit. Just internally, he doesn't feel like he's been accepted. As St. Paul continues in his letter to the Ephesian church, he reminds them that they were once strangers to the community of God's people, that they were out in every way possible but had been brought in. The idea of church as Jews plus Gentiles isn't really something that we often consider in late modern Christianity, but in Paul's day, the drawing together of the Jewish people and the Gentiles in worship of Christ Jesus and his Father was a beacon of nothing short of new creation, as Paul hints at in our reading the tensions between these two groups were enormous. And it's not just about racial tension, although there was plenty of that. Over time, the Jews' status as God's chosen people often led them to look down on the Gentiles, which is everyone else, right? Everyone who's not a Jew. And they would look at them as somehow less than, not worthy. And in a fairly classic chicken-egg scenario, right, we don't know which one comes first, Gentiles have exhibited anti-Semitism in varying degrees throughout history, because nobody loves a favorite child. But more than just the racial and cultural tensions between these two groups, there is a distinctly religious aspect to this situation. I realize religion is a word that doesn't carry much water for us these days, other than as a way of identifying fanatics or holier-than-thou types, but... Hopefully here we're starting to recapture more of what religion entails. Even the word itself in its archaic forms in English, a religious person was a monk or a nun, someone who took vows of monasticism and lived their life under those vows. Secular could refer to anyone else, even a priest, who hadn't taken those vows. Religion means to bind. It's about obligation and reverence and practice and ritual as a way of displaying relationship. So I don't want to get on a soapbox here, but if you've ever heard people say, Christianity is a relationship, not a religion, sorry, it's actually both. And the reality is that for centuries, Gentiles, basically everyone in this room, were cut out of the relationship that Yahweh had with Israel, because we were cut out of the religion. We were excluded from the temple worship. Even the proselytes, those non-Jews who came to believe in the true God of the Hebrew Scriptures, some of whom even showed their belief by taking on the covenant sign of circumcision and sought to live life among God's people, even they were only allowed so far in the temple where they were stopped by a literal dividing wall. When Paul talks about the dividing wall in this passage, he has this physical space in mind. And much like Tom in Mistaken for Strangers, even though they had sort of been grafted in, they were always just outside. They never really felt like they were truly a part of the community. What's interesting to me is that Paul here doesn't attempt to be cuddly and sort of fuzz things over by telling these Gentile Christians that, no, you guys were really in the whole time. Come on, we love you guys. We're all the same. No, Paul is very upfront. Remember, he says, you were at one point separated from Christ, excluded from citizenship with God's people, foreigners to the covenants of the promise, and, wow, without hope and without God in the world. St. Paul's not pulling any punches. But notice that all of this, all of this being without hope and without God in the world and excluded from citizenship with God's people, it all hinges on one terrifyingly uncontrollable fact. They were born Gentiles, not Jews. They didn't choose to be born in Ephesus any more than you chose to be born to your parents. You simply arrived and eventually recognized the seemingly lopsided nature of your arrival. You had no say in the matter. And other people, basically one, did all of the work to get you here. In many ways, I think what St. Paul is saying here, however hyperbolic he may sound, summarizes the human condition. To be born is to be a stranger. Existing in the world almost necessitates loneliness, a sense of estrangement that can fade in various seasons, but subtly persists throughout our lives. I think this is part of the nuclear fallout of sin. In turning away from God's purposes for us in the world, we have ripped the relational fabric of the universe, tearing ourselves away from Him, from each other, and even from our own selves. But now, St. Paul reminds us, and here again is that phrase that he uses over and over and over in this short letter. In Christ Jesus, you have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Christ has destroyed the dividing wall. Again, this is multiple levels, right? It's a metaphor for the racial and religious separation, but also the very real wall in the temple. Christ has destroyed the dividing wall by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations." This is an incredibly profound statement. What Paul is getting at is similar to what the author of Hebrews tells us, and he puts these words in Christ's mouth, "...sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me." Meaning the law isn't abrogated, it is fulfilled. Christ in his flesh and blood has fulfilled everything that the Mosaic law was pointing to in that he has brought about the reconciliation that the law of Moses could only ever point to like a road sign signaling the destination itself. The law is not bad and it's not worthless, but it couldn't accomplish the reconciliation that it pointed to. That destination resides in Christ and his body. This reconciliation permeates to such depths of our being that Paul uses the language of new creation. No longer are we kept far off, disintegrated within ourselves because the same Spirit that hovered over the primordial waters and brought order and beauty to creation, the same Spirit that overshadowed the Blessed Virgin Mary to bring about the birth of Jesus Christ, the same Spirit who powerfully raised Jesus from the dead has begun the work of new creation and unparalleled reconciliation in and among those who have been sealed in Christ through faith and baptism. Just as I said last week that God's covenant making means that the rights of children, the rights to and be inheritors of his kingdom, simply are the rights of his baptized followers. So here, the Spirit births us into this radical reconciliation, and the second birth from above is much like our physical birth. It is something that happens to us that we only begin to understand later on. But it is this understanding that we seek to expand just as babies instinctively work really hard to eat, to learn motor skills and language. So we have been given all the avenues of nourishment needed to grow up into Christ, who is the head of the body. We have already been reconciled. Do you get that? It's not dependent on our understanding of it. We have already been reconciled, and now we must allow that reconciliation to soak through the towel of our existence, permeating everything. This is part of the reason that the rhythms of common prayer are so important to us, is because prayer is an embodied practice of appropriating the reconciliation that is ours, right? It is behaving like children of the King, living our life in the presence of his throne room. That's what it means to come to him in prayer daily, is to live in his presence. As Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote, a day without morning and evening prayers and personal intercessions is a day without meaning or importance. Because you're not taking seriously the reconciliation that has been given to you in Christ Jesus, that you have been made a child of the King. The Spirit is a seamstress, sewing together again the fabric of God's world that has been so torn apart. And as the Spirit does this work of new creation, He is crafting a tapestry more beautiful than we could imagine. And we have the opportunity to be the thread in His hand, pulling the fractured world back together into a unified image of God. And if you'll allow me to press the metaphor into insanity, It's as if Christ's body in taking on the sin of the world became the shredded and tattered fabric of the disintegrated lost world and it is now through his suffering that we are stitched back into the divine life itself. That's the sort of reconciliation that is on offer. We're not just a tattered piece of cloth floating out there. We have been sewn into the thing itself the very fabric of God's being. And so we are now no longer strangers. We have been brought into the very household of God, and we are being joined together into a temple of the Lord. Christ is our cornerstone, or in some translations, our capstone. When they would build those ancient archways, if you've traveled in the Middle Eastern Europe, you've probably seen them, those giant stone archways, there would be one stone cut with geometric precision to go in the very middle at the top of the arch that would keep all the rest of the stones from falling down. Christ is our measure. He is the one that the entire building is situated upon that measures out the rest of the foundation, and the apostles and prophets are that foundation. And this is why we self-consciously understand ourselves to be an apostolic church. We didn't just spring out of nowhere. We have received the message of Christ, the wisdom from before all ages through the proclamation of the apostles. The structure, the forms, and teachings of the church, therefore, are not ours to morph as we see fit. They make up the tradition, the handing down of the apostolic charism from which the entire shape of the church is given form and stability, with Christ as the cornerstone and the capstone. This turn of events, to have gone from people who are far off and walled away from the center of the temple, walled away from God's presence, being without hope and without God in the world, going from that to being built into a dwelling place for God himself. This is what Tolkien calls a "u-catastrophe." He had to make up a word for such an incredible turn of events when hope seemed lost, but through a sudden reversal, all the sad things have become untrue and the light and joy of new creation begins to stream through the windows of our lives. This is the mystery that was hidden in Christ for all ages, that has been entrusted to the apostolic church, that God from the very beginning has wanted to dwell among, not just the family of Abraham, but all the nations of the earth. Which means that our response can only be one of praise and thanksgiving and sacrifice to a God as glorious and praiseworthy as this. What wisdom what joy and what unsearchable riches are ours in Christ. Hear St. Paul in the preceding paragraph to our reading that we had this morning in his letter to the Ephesians. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you, were followed, when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work and these who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.